Try that. Okay. But that means that those of you that are here are here because of the faith and the sacrifice and the work of those who have gone on before you. And the truth of the matter is, if we go another 10, 15 years down the road and this building is enlarged, those of you who are here now, ask that question. There are going to be a lot of people who are going to be here who right now you have never met, you have never seen their faces, you do not know their names, but they are people that are going to be here and they are going to be blessed because of your vision and your sacrifice and your work. And so it's really a privilege for us to be involved in God's work in this way. Now, as we approach this capital campaign, and I I realize that there are probably some visitors here this morning. You might be here for the first time, and you may be saying, Boy, I came on the wrong Sunday. They're starting a capital campaign. Uh, I came to hear Pastor Brent, and this other guy has showed up. But uh, just encourage you to come back next Sunday. Pastor Brent will be preaching next Sunday, and you'll be able to hear a good message. Uh, I can already tell I'm not nearly as well-spoken as he is. So you come back, and you hear him and be back next Sunday. But as we approach this challenge, I hope that we'll do it with an open heart. Uh, may, uh, the capital campaign may be quite different than what you might expect. For one thing, we are not going to be going to anybody to ask you about your intentions to give. I'm not going to have any personal conversations asking you, are you going to give or how much are you going to give? Nobody's going to come to your house or have any kind of a church poll to decide to try to determine who's going to give what. But what we are doing is we're asking every family, every individual of your church to really pray and say, God, what do you want our family to give over and above our regular giving for the next three years? in order to be able to help our church to provide the facilities that we need in order to be the church that God intends us to be. And then, after doing that, to be willing to ask ourselves the question, am I really willing to do something that is truly sacrificial, not only generous, but sacrificial? And then, am I willing to obey as God begins to prompt our heart and perhaps stretch our faith? in ways that we might not expect. When we talk about sacrifice, sacrifice looks very different from one family to another because we're all in different circumstances. I was working with the church down in Georgia here uh, some time back, and we had a family in the church that owned a couple of businesses in town, and they were praying about what would be sacrificial for them, and the Lord led them to make a three-year commitment of $250,000. And that was very sacrificial for them. We also had a single lady in the church. Uh, she had a couple of little girls. I think one was preschool and one was early elementary. And she had a, a, a sales job. And she likewise was praying about what God would have her to give. And God laid upon her heart to make a three-year commitment of $18,000. That was also very sacrificial for her. The amounts were vastly different, but they were equally sacrificial. And so, uh, sacrifice looks very different for each one of us. But let's be clear to say that no matter what the amount is, that we should never, ever feel inferior because you might feel as though the amount of your sacrifice is too small. You know what it's going to take to make this effort to be successful in your church? It's if every single family, every single uh, member, simply is willing to pray And see God's leadership and do as the Spirit of God prompts our hearts. And if we do what God asks us to do, 
uh, we're going to be successful in accomplishing the work that God has for us to accomplish. I do want to encourage you to be with us tonight at 6 o'clock for the orientation rally. Uh, that is an important meeting. This is an important time in your church life. Far too important for you to pass it by. Uh, don't miss it. Uh, we want to take a good deal of time and just explain what the campaign is going to be like, what's going to happen, what you can expect. Uh, you need to know about what's going on in your church. This is your church, and you need to know about what's happening. And we, I just can't appeal to you strongly enough to make whatever adjustments you need to make to be with us tonight at 6 o'clock. I'd love to have you come back. And I'd also like to give to you one date to put on your calendar, and that's the date of May 19th. That's going to be a special celebration Sunday for your church. And you do not want to miss May the 19th. So get that on your calendar now. Uh, some of you may go home this afternoon, and your daughter, who maybe moved down to Minneapolis or something, she'll call you up and she'll say, uh, Mom and Dad, guess what? He asked me to marry him last night. And you'll say, well, good. We kind of like him, too. And and kind of thought that might be coming. Glad to hear it. Did you talk about when you're going to get married? And she'll say, well, yes, we're going to have our wedding on May the 19th. And you're going to say, well, honey, you need to change your date because we got something special going on in the church that night. And we don't want to miss your wedding. So... <clears throat> Do your best to get it on the calendar and protect it. Brent read to us this morning from Matthew chapter 21. And I hope that you still have your fingers in your Bible there, or if not, to open your Bible again to that passage, that parable that Jesus told. Someone has said a parable is a heavenly story with an earthly meaning. And that being said, different parts of the parable are meant to represent uh, different things. But during the next coming days and weeks, you're going to be hearing quite frequently the word stewardship. And it's very important that we understand what stewardship really is. Most of the time when we think of stewardship, we tend to think of giving, particularly charitable giving, specifically giving to the church. But stewardship is not really giving. Stewardship is managing what belongs to somebody else. My mind goes back to Joseph when he was in the land of Egypt. Remember how his brother sold him there and he became the servant of Potiphar? And the Bible says that Potiphar put Joseph in charge of everything of his household. Took care of everything. In other words, he was the one that took care of the buying and the selling for the estate. He was the one who took care of the hiring. He took care of dismissing anybody that needed to be dismissed or anything like that. He was the one that managed it all. But let me ask you, did Joseph own any of that stuff? No. He was just a slave in Potiphar's household. I think also of Abraham. The Bible tells us that Abraham was, had a chief steward by the name of Eliezer. Eliezer managed Abram's servants, managed the flocks, took care of uh, all of the estate of Abraham, even to the point of going and selecting a wife for Abraham's son, Isaac. But did Eliezer own any of that? No, it all belonged to Abraham. He was a steward. So when we talk about a steward, we are recognizing that what we have really belongs to someone else, namely God, and we are the ones to be able to manage that for a time. 
Well, as we approach this parable, what, uh, what is the significance of the different parts of the parable? Well, let me ask you this. Who do you think the owner of the vineyard might represent? Well, it represents God, who's the owner of all things. Then we read in the parable about the workers in the vineyard. <clears throat> so who do the workers represent? Go ahead and talk to me. It's just us. Who do the workers represent? Us, yes, we're God's workers in God's vineyard. And so then it talks about the fact that he sent the servants and eventually he sent his son and they killed his son. And uh, so who do you suppose the son represents? Jesus, that's right. And then we talk about the fruit of the vineyard, the, the grapes, if you please. And that represents all of the things that you and I have worked for all of our life. So let's take a look closely at the, the parable. At the beginning of the parable, he says, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it and dug a wine press in it and built a watchtower. Now, I want to make quickly four observations. And with each of the observations, I'm going to be making an application. And the first observation that we want to make this morning is the fact that the master provided for the workers everything that they needed to be able to produce fruit for him. The Bible says that he went ahead and he, he planted the vineyard. I'm sure he put in the, the best vines that would produce good grapes. The Bible says that he, he put a wall around it to protect it so that animals wouldn't come in and run over the vines and so forth. The Bible says he built a watchtower so servants could be there and watch and make sure that uh, marauders wouldn't come in and steal the fruit of the vineyard. He put a, a wine press in there so that when the grapes were harvested, they would have a way to be able to process the grapes. He gave them everything that they needed in order to produce uh, fruit for him. Now, the application is simply this. God has likewise given to us Everything that we need to be able to produce fruit for Him. God has blessed us in immeasurable ways. All of us. God has been good to us. And it's good for us to take time from time to time to just stop and think about the goodness of God. And remember and give thanks for the blessings that God has given to us. I read just about two weeks ago now a report from the World Bank regarding world economy. And that report said that 50% of the world's population lives with either low or poor income. So what is low income? What is poor income? Well, low income is $2.83. Poor income is $2.15. You say per hour? No, per day. Now realize, this is not looking at the United States economy. This is looking at the entire world economy. 51% of the people in the world live with less than $2.83 per day. The report went on. And said that only 13% of the world's population have an average income. So what would an average income be? Average income, according to the World Bank, is $27 a day. 
And only 7% of the world's population has a high income. A high income is those who are earning $50 a day or more. Folks, God has been good to us. Half the world's population only gets $2.83 a day or less. And we go, I went into the, well, I was in the airport coming here. And I, I went up to, uh, <clears throat> to Chick-fil-A and bought a, a bottle of water. And my bottle of water was $3.50. I didn't like paying that much for it, but I was thirsty. So, uh, but the point is this. We, we, we'll spend $2 to $3, uh, you know, and not think that much about it. For over half the world's population, that's what they have to live on to pay the rent, to pay, buy the food, to take care of the family. That's, that's what they've got. God has been good to us. And I think of what David wrote in Psalm 116 and verse 12, when David said, What shall I render unto the Lord for all of his goodness toward me? David was thinking along these lines and thinking about the goodness of God. And David's response was, What do I do about that? When I realize God has been so good to me, how do I respond to that? What, what does God expect of me? How, how, how do I, what should I do? And I think when we realize how good God has been to us, that our response can be much the same. The second observation I'd like to make this morning is that everything that these wine growers possessed, they held as temporary stewards. You see, those vines, they weren't their vines. <clears throat> That wall that surrounded the vineyard, that wasn't their wall. The tower that the, the workers used to guard the vineyard, that wasn't their tower. The wine press that they used to process the grapes, that wasn't their wine press. Everything they had was given to them for the benevolence of the owner so that they could have a life, so that they could prosper, so they could take care of their families, but it did not belong to them. I'm sure that as they got together, wherever they did, for uh, some kind of coffee in the morning before work or after work or wherever, and they'd talk together, as we do, and they might say, well, you know, I was out working in my vineyard today. Spent all day out in my vineyard. I fertilized my vines today. Spent the day yesterday whitewashing the, the, uh, the stone fence. My fence. Whose vineyard? Whose vines? Whose fence? Whose tower? You know, it's normal for us to talk about these things, but the fact of the matter was it wasn't their, their vines. It wasn't their wall. It wasn't their tower. It all belonged to somebody else. And so the application for us is simply this. The things that I call that are mine are really his. And we talk in the same terms. You know, I'll say to somebody, well, I've got to go down and, and put uh, tires on my car. I've got to go ahead and, and uh, fix my roof on my house. And so we refer to these things as mine, but I hope, and it's natural for us to do that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that at all. But I hope that in the back of our mind somewhere, we have the concept, the reality, the truth, that that really is something I have managed only for a while. It really belongs to God. You see, someday somebody else, God gives me my house to take care of for a while. Someday somebody else is going to uh, 
fix the driveway when it needs to be fixed. Somebody, somebody else is going to take care of the roof. But for right now, it's mine to, to take care of. Uh, same thing, same thing with my car. You know, somebody else, I drive the car now, but someday somebody else will drive my car. <clears throat> this is like a car that I bought for my daughter when she was in college. And nobody else drove that car anymore, but that's another story. But we talk about these things as being mine, but I hope that we understand that all of these things really do belong to the Lord, even our children. God gives us our children for a period of 18 or 20 years, and we can train them and love them and care for them. Uh, I have two daughters. Those of you who have daughters uh, as the, who have grown have probably the same experience. Someday some guy comes up to you and says, well, I want to marry your daughter. And you say, you got to be kidding. You really think that I'm going to give my daughter that I love and cared for for 20, uh, 20 some years. And I'm going to give her to the likes of you. <clears throat> Remember when. When Gary came and asked me to marry Debbie and Debbie was always the very strong will child. She was the one that always had the answers for everything. And I, I used to tell her back when Reagan was president, I said, President Reagan would just call you. Uh, and consult with you, we wouldn't have any problems at all. But uh, so anyway, Gary wanted to marry her, and we were out, we were playing golf, and we got to the 17th tee, and uh, so Gary finally said, "Dad or uh, Mr. Antner, I guess, uh, would it, would you give me permission to marry Debbie?" And I remember so well exactly what I told him. I said, "If you can handle her, you can have her." That's what I told him. And uh, they have a very godly home. Uh, Gary works as the uh, uh, IT director at Pensacola Christian College down in Florida. And God's given them five wonderful children. And all of them are busy serving the Lord and so forth. I'm very thankful for them. But we were on vacation with them a while back. And I was kind of jiting Gary about that. Said, yeah, Gary, it took you till the 17th tee before he had enough courage to ask, ask me to marry her. And he said, Dad, he said, that really wasn't the case. I said, what do you mean? He said, I was waiting for you to win a hole so that you'd be in a good mood. And it took until the 17th tee, 17th hole before the 16th hole before you finally won a hole. Point is that all that we have really does belong to God. And again, in the Psalms, the Bible tells us the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains. Let me just ask you, does that, does that include all the stuff that you've got your name on? Does that include all the accounts that you've got your name on? Does that include the titles, the uh, investments that carry your name? The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains. The third observation is this. The vine growers were expected to willfully and joyfully release to the owner of the vineyard whatever he needed for his own purposes. And so as we read down through the parable, we find that when it was time for harvest, the owner of the vineyard sent his servants to get some of the grapes. And there was nothing wrong with that. It was his vineyard. It was only right that he have the fruit from his vineyard. 
Uh, I grew up down in southwestern Minnesota. My first church that I pastored was down in Lamberton, over by uh, Mankato, kind of between Mankato and Wilmer. And it was very common for farmers as they got uh, up in years, didn't want to farm anymore, and they had the land, they would lease it out to other farmers. And back then, uh, and I don't know if it's still the same way now as it was then, but it was uh, one-third, two-thirds. And so the one that was farming the land would get two-thirds of the crop, and the one who owned the land would get a third. And so nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's just the way the economy works. And so the owner of this vineyard sent his servants to get some of their grapes. There wasn't anything wrong with that. But they got mixed up on who really was the owner of the vineyard. They started to see those grapes as their grapes. And they said, we don't want them to have any of our grapes. And so the parable describes how that they uh, took the servants, they beat one, they stoned another, they killed another. The owner of the vineyard went ahead and sent more servants. They treated them the same until he sent his son. And then they said, well, here's the one that's going to uh, receive the vineyard, going to take the vineyard away from us. And because they saw the vineyard as belonging to them, they wanted to dispose of any threat that would take the vineyard away from them. The problem really was for them as to who really owned the vineyard. And that's likewise the problem that we have. Bear in mind that they were the recipients of the gracious benevolence of the owner. It was because of the owner of the vineyard that they had jobs. It was because of his benevolence that they were able to take care of their families. It was because of his goodness that they were able to enjoy life. And so it is with us as well. The application is simply this. When we become confused on the matter of ownership, we will always struggle with the matter of stewardship. I wonder, is there, I need somebody to come and help me for a minute. I need someone perhaps, oh, I don't know, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, somebody that would be willing to come up here and help me. Who'd volunteer? Okay, right back there. Uh, Yes, you come on up. Yes. Got a $20 bill here. Does that help any? (laughs) Okay, come right on up. Very good. And what's your name? My name is Sam. 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 Okay, Sam. Thank you for having the courage to come up here. That's a long walk and a bunch of people and kind of scary, huh? (laughs) Okay. But this is going to make it worth it. Well, don't get too excited quite yet, Sam. I want to tell you something. Okay, here. Go ahead and take it. Okay. Uh, Do you have... How's your dresser at home on, on top of the dresser? Is it kind of cluttered and everything, or you got is it pretty clean? Depends. Depends. Well, I want you to take that home and put it on your dresser, but I don't want you to lose it. Uh, do you have a wallet or anything that you take to school or anything like that? Sometimes? Yeah. How about when you go shopping? Do you have a wallet that you take with you? You're going to buy Sometimes, something? Yeah. Okay. Uh, put it either on your dresser or go ahead and put it in your wallet, okay? For two weeks. Two weeks. And after two weeks, I want you to bring it back and I want you to give it to Pastor Brent. Okay? I, want, I really want it for him. I want you to take care of it for two weeks and I want you to bring it back and give it to him. Can you do that? Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Okay? We'll find out whether you're a good steward or not. Okay? So, I'll try my best. Okay. Well, thank you, Sam.
Sam already recognizes the problem. So he's got the $20 bill in his wallet, and he goes to Walmart, and he sees a video game that he might want to buy, or sees something else that appeals to him, and he's got this $20 bill in his pocket. Well, I could go ahead and use that, because Pastor Brent just is such so busy and has so much on that he has to be concerned about that he probably won't remember anyway in two weeks. And besides, Pastor Brent has a lot more money than what I have, and so I can just go ahead and spend it to buy that. But he forgets whose $20 bill it really is. I didn't give it to him. I only asked him to take care of it for a time. You see, that's our problem. Because we have, we receive a paycheck with our name on it, and we put it into a bank account with our name on it, and we buy something and get a title and we write our name in the title, we somehow begin thinking that all of these things are ours when they really still belong to God. So the owner of the vineyard sent his servants to the, to the, to the workers to receive some grapes. In the next coming weeks and months, God's going to come to you. And He's going to ask for some grapes. And the response is, what is our response going to be when He does? Sometimes we can get awfully hard on these workers of vineyards and say, what, a, what awful people. I mean, they took them, they, they stoned them, they, they beat them and so forth. They wouldn't let them have any grapes. Sometimes our attitude is not that much different when, different when God comes to us and asks for some grapes either. Some of His grapes. You'll notice carefully in the parable in verse 34, when the harvest time approached, He sent His servants to the tenants to collect what? His fruit. His fruit. And God comes to us and He asks us some for his fruit. Well, the fourth observation is simply this. There came a time when the workers in the vineyard had to give an account. They had to give an account of how they managed that which was theirs to manage. And the application is simply this. There's likewise coming a time when we're going to have to give an account to God for how we've managed that which he has entrusted to us as well. The large purpose of an effort like this on the part of your church is to help us as God's people to be willing so that when that time comes, when we stand before God and we give an account of how we've managed all those affairs that belong to Him, all those resources, all those assets that belong to Him, that we might be able to give that account with joy. And when that day comes, we'll be able to hear Him say to us, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. May God help us to be straight on the matter of who owns the vineyard and to be good stewards of that which He has given to us. Let's bow together in prayer. Perhaps as we pray, just in quietness, we could carry on a conversation with God. Talk to Him just a little bit in silence and tell Him, Lord,
You've been good to me. You've been good to us. You've blessed us far beyond what we deserve, really more than what we expected. Thank you. And just take a moment and recognize before God His extreme benevolence toward us. Thank you, God, for your goodness to us. Then maybe say to him, Lord, I recognize it's all yours. Well, I talk about it in terms of being mine, but Lord, I understand. You've never relinquished ownership. And then perhaps take a moment and just welcome God into your vineyard. Say, Lord, you're welcome into my vineyard anytime. Look around. See what I have. Look at the records. See the reports. See what's in the garage. Lord, it's all yours. And then ask Him and say, Lord, please, in the next weeks and months, show me, reveal to me what you want. And then give me the grace to respond as I should. You see, the fact of the matter is we don't all have the same size vineyards. To some of us, God has given large vineyards that produce lots of grapes. To some of us, God has given small vineyards that don't produce many grapes. I'm reminded of Scripture where it says, To whom much is given, much is required. Lord, help me respond as I should when you come and you ask for some of what you've entrusted to me. Pastor Brent. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we invite you to come to this table now. What's this table mean? This table means that the son whom we have killed, the son whom we have sinned against and not always used his resources the way he would have us, the son of the vineyard owner, is the cornerstone who is laid as a foundation for the church, a cornerstone.